Okay, ready? Okay. Okay. says everything is ultimately an ensemble with the purpose of the revelation of the quadrant as dominant and supreme what drives the sun is the fusion of hydrogen atoms to form helium helium has four nucleons in the form of a quadrant as the sun expands the elements comprising it developed by factors of four the water in the clouds is tetrahedral in shape tetra means four the water cycle has four steps existence is the quadrant matrix with the number four and the three plus one manifestation revealing itself as primary and ubiquitous on all levels and dimensions. While things seem disparate and separate and non-related, they are all united in that everything is merely an aspect in an ultimate quadrant revelation, existing for the purpose and intention in some way contributing to the expression of the quadrant. Existence is an overall composition of the quadrant taking representation in overlapping manners and in all-embracing ultimate matter that defies logical and naturalistic explanations of science, but even resists simplistic fundamentalist notions of religion which reduce reality to narrow mutually exclusive conceptions and miss the big picture and the, and the fact that everything, even contradictory elements of existence, ultimately fit together in the overall purpose of the demonstration of the quadrant. The quadrant theory is metaphysical in essence and it is a meta-theory in the deepest sense. The quadrant theory is not... Do you like it so far, Grandma? The quadrant theory is not naturalistic, but it also is not nonsensical. It is deeply logical and consistent and provides a coherent and cogent structure, even though it breaks free of all parochial limited conceptions and incorporates them all into one meaning structure. For instance, biologists believe in natural selection. Well, there are four primary scientific fields of inquiry, physics, chemistry, biology, and psychology. Biology is a third quadrant field of inquiry. The third quadrant always has a quality of being bad. Biologists are looked down upon more than other scientists. Number one, they are not seen to be as smart as other scientists, like the first quadrant-oriented physicists. Physicists who partake in the first quadrant field of science, physics, are seen as smart and good. Their research has practical effects in reality, like the making of computers and satellites. However, physicists are viewed as weird. They are good, but they are weird. The first quadrant always has the character characteristic of being weird. Biologists are the third quadrant. They are seen as dumber than physicists. They also have views that are controversial. Well, 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 I wouldn't be saying, dumber. Uh, not, um, Less intelligent. No, um, as well informed. No, no, less intelligent. Because no, that's what no. I've seen. Than no, physicists. <laughs> they also have views that are controversial to many, like the concept of evolution, which offends many religious people. But bio biologists are also more cool and normal. They are opposite of the first quadrant. They do cool fieldwork with animals and experiments on creatures. Oh yeah, the fact that they do experiments on creatures also lends to the notion that they are bad. Thus, biologists embody the qualities of the third, or, oh, oh I said, oh yeah, the fact that they do experiments on creatures that sometimes harm the creatures. Also lends the notion that they are bad. Thus, the biologists embody the qualities of the third quadrant, the bad quadrant, and the most physical quadrant. All of the quadrants, and then I'll say physicists, um, physicists personify the characteristics of the first quadrant. 
they are not so action oriented doing a lot of field work like biologists do and they are seen as very mental slash smart and kind of weird also all the quadrants are connected science is the first quadrant field of inquiry religion is the second quadrant field of inquiry art is a third quadrant and philosophy is the fourth quadrant Science and religion are described as opposites, but they are really a duality. Religious people incorporate the ideas of science into their teachings, and they try to contend with notions of science. For instance, Christians will try to argue with or agree with ideas in physics. Many Christians will argue or disagree with the idea of the multiverse, but Hindus will agree with the concept of the multiverse. Christianity is the second quadrant religion. Hinduism is the fourth quadrant world religion. Hinduism is more philosophical and abstract and even more strange yeah the fourth quadrant is always more philosophical Christianity is more simplistic and concrete yeah but I'm just looking at the characteristics so Christianity is more simplistic and concrete. The second quadrant is always more normal and concrete. Hinduism almost doesn't belong as a religion. Some people say it is a philosophy and not a religion. The fourth quadrant never seems to belong. But it is important to know all of, well, I'll say philosophy and not a religion. Well, the fourth quadrant domain of inquiry is philosophy. And Hinduism is the fourth quadrant religion. The fourth quadrant never seems to belong, but it's important to know all of the religions are homeostatic. They are all belief, faith. Wait, so I'll say many Christians will disagree with the idea of the multiverse, but they will latch on to scientific conceptions of the Big Bang and argue that this proves that there was a beginning of the universe like the Bible contends. But Hindus will agree with the concept of the multiverse. And they will be more inclined towards the scientists or inclined to believe the scientists who say that there are multiverses and were universes before our universe. Christianity is the second quadrant religion. Hinduism is the fourth quadrant world religion. Hinduism is more philosophical and abstract and even more strange in Christianity. The fourth quadrant is always more philosophical. Christi Christianity is more simplistic and concrete. The second quadrant is always more normal and concrete. Hinduism almost doesn't belong as a religion. Some people say it is a philosophy and not a religion. Well, the fourth quadrant domain of inquiry is philosophy and Hinduism is the fourth quadrant religion. So it makes sense that it would be more philosophical and abstract. The fourth quadrant never seems to belong, but it's important to note all of the religions are homeostatic. They are all belief, faith, behavior, and belonging 
oriented and focused on creating conformity and maintaining order. And they all tend to support the status quo, even if ironically many of the mythologies speak to the poor and the oppressed. It is not a coincidence that religions tend to be conservative and serve the function of homeostasis in society. Religion is the second quadrant field of inquiry, and the second quadrant is always the most related to homeostasis and conservation. Even... Okay, even Hinduism, the fourth quadrant world religion, since it is a religion, and thus is second quadrant, no, I know, is, is second quadrant oriented, has characteristically conservative elements about it. For instance, many Hindus will justify the status quo and mistreatment of lesser privileged groups by saying that their karma merits such treatment or karma from previous lives merits such treatment. Okay. Okay. Buddhists are enamored by the notions of quantum mechanics, which they argue reveals the truth that the self is an illusion. Buddhism is the weird first quadrant world religion and physics is the weird first quadrant science. Muslims like the concept in physics called, I'll say, I'll say, Buddhists even apply quantum mechanics to argue that such phenomena as reincarnation may be possible. Muslims like the concept in physics called the fine-tuning argument, or might be possible. Science and religion while they are different, are connected. Muslims like the concept in physics called the fine-tuning argument, which says, or I'll say Muslims and Christians like the concept in physics called the fine-tuning argument, which says that the characteristics of the four forces of nature are so precise that they must have been fine-tuned, perhaps by God. Physicists say that, or I'll say, in the Muslim and Christian point of view, many contend that this fine-tuning was certainly from God. Physicists say that if the forces were slightly differently calibrated, the universe would collapse or be destroyed. Science and religion are in constant dialogue and far from being opponents have always, and, and, and while they and while they and while they may appear to be opponents they have always informed each other and influenced each other yes there is i'll say the priest who discovered the or the person who discovered the big bang was a christian priest or the person who had the conception first of the Big 
Bang Theory was a Christian priest. What? Yes. Yes, there is a debate between between science and religion. They are a dichotomy, but there also there are also attempts at agreement and reconciliation. In the same vein, religion informs and interacts with art. Religion consists of beliefs, faith, and behavior of groups of people and is a second quadrant field of inquiry. Art is connected with thinking, emotion, doing, and dreaming. Art is a third quadrant field of inquiry. In Asia, much of art was centered around Buddhism. Um, in Europe, most of art has throughout history been a continuity of Christian topics and portrayals. Science, the first quadrant field of inquiry, also influences art. The first and third quadrants are opposite. Science and art are opposite. Art is very physical. Science is more mental. But all of the quadrants in the quadrant model influence each other and interact with each other. Science influences religion and religion influences art and art influences science and art influences religion and these all influence philosophy and all of the four primary fields of inquiry are in constant dialogue and interaction. I learned in a cinema class at UCSD that cinema borrows from the four primary forms of art that were the dominant arts throughout the dominant forms of art throughout history. The first quadrant form of art is painting. Painting deals with space. The second quadrant form of art is music. Music is connected with time. The third quadrant form of art is dance. Dance is associated with matter. The third quadrant is always the most physical and connected with action. Dance also throughout his, a lot of history ha had a negative connotation. For instance, in are you listening, Grandma? I'm listening. For instance, in medieval Europe, dance was looked at as sinful. The third quadrant many times gives the impression of being bad. The third quadrant is matter. The fourth quadrant forms of form of art is literature. Literature kind of transcends the first three forms of art, but has elements of each of them. For instance, in literature, people paint pictures with words, and they describe music and write in cadences that are almost musical. Music borrows from literature. For instance, Wagner's Ring Cycle borrows from the oral poetry of the Norse. Poetry is a form of literature. Literature describes the movements and relationships of people interacting. It therefore incorporates dance. Literature is related to energy. The four forms of art are connected to the four aspects of reality. Space, time, matter, and energy. Uh, I'll say the four components of reality. Space, time matter energy painting is connected with the sense of seeing music is related to the sense of hearing dance is associated with the sense of touch finally literature is connected with the sense of taste literature is associated with taste because literature was originally oral and taste is related to the mouth or speaking aristotle said that there were four senses sight hearing touch and smell he said taste and touch were one sense Taste is a transcendent fourth quadrant sense. The fifth ultra transcendent sense is smell. Taste and smell are very intertwined. The fourth quadrant always points to the fifth quadrant. The smell of something affects its taste. Taste is connected to the mouth and speech. Speech informs the second quadrant, the hearing quadrant. The fourth quadrant is the NT personality type, the philosopher. He is the authority. 
He has the knowledge and he speaks the knowledge. Hearing is a second quadrant personality type, the guardian SJ, who is the religious person. SJs listen to philosopher to the philosopher's authority and follow his orders. They are belongers. The fourth quadrant is always opposite the second quadrant and antagonistic. Speaking and hearing are opposite. The knowledge of the philosopher fourth quadrant becomes a beliefs and religion of the religious person, the second quadrant. In the same manner, the third quadrant dance is the opposite of the first quadrant painting. Dance is connected with the SP artisan personality type. Painting is associated with the NF idealist personality type. <clears throat> SPs are physically oriented and are doers. Painting is an action. Art is a third quadrant field of inquiry, so it is inherently action oriented. But as the first quadrant mode of art, painting is very non-physical and has the characteristic quality of being passive and not so movement oriented. Regardless, all of the arts are somewhat movement oriented. And that makes sense because art is the third quadrant form of inquiry. And the third quadrant is the most movement slash action related. So for instance, even a painter moves a lot when he paints, although a lot less than a dancer. A musician moves as he plays his instrument. Even a writer moves with his pen or as he speaks his poetry or even even a writer who creates literature moves with his pen or as he speaks his poetry in regards to the four races painting is associated with the asian race Asians actually have throughout, in regards to the four races, painting is associated with the Asian race. Asians actually have throughout history been known for painting. Historically, there have been a lot of great painters and paintings in Asia. Music is connected with the white race. White people like Mozart are stereotypically the most inclined or white people are stereotypically the most inclined to music. Think of Mozart and Beethoven and all of the most famous classical musicians throughout history. They were all quote, white, although I will admit these races are social constructions in a deep sense. White people are particularly influenced by music. Well, it's just not 
Yeah, that's true. But but I'm gonna get to that stuff. But regardless, white people are are stereotypically particularly influenced by music. Dance is associated with the black race. Black people are stereotypically the best dancers. The black race has the characteristic of being the most physical race. They are stereotypically the biggest and the strongest. They are opposite of the first quadrant race, the Asian race. Asians are stereotypically small and weak and more feminine. The fourth quadrant race, or uh, and I'll say, the first, the first quadrant is always the most passive and least physical. The fourth quadrant race is the brown race. Brown people stereotypically are the most influenced by literature. There are many great writers who are quote-unquote brown. Yep, yeah, and there is a stereotype of brown people really liking great works of literature. And being enamored by literature and philosophy. When I th think of this, I think of, for instance, the Hindus who stereotypically throughout history were brown and created marvelous philosophical literature. Uh, from where? Um, oh, I can't there, 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 there are many great writers who are brown, and there is a stereotype of brown people really liking great works of literature and being enamored by literature and philosophy. When I think of this, huh? When you say this, you some yeah, I said when when I think of this, I think for instance, I think of for instance the Hindus who stereotypically throughout history were brown and created marvelous philosophical literature and stories. But not all Hindus are brown, though. That's the thing. Some are black, some are white. I don't know. Yeah. Or who, I'll say, who mainly throughout history were brown, throughout history were brown and created marvelous philosophical literature or disproportionately throughout history were brown and created marvelous philosophical literature and stories. Art as a third quadrant field of inquiry is associated with thinking, emotion, doing, and dreaming. Art sometimes promotes religion, the second quadrant, and sometimes art plays with notions of science. Science is the first quadrant domain of inquiry. For instance, is a first quadrant for domain of inquiry. Picasso was influenced by the scientific concept of the fourth dimension time when he made cubist paintings. But art also questions notions of science and religion, and even pokes fun at them and attacks them. I am thinking of the artwork of an artwork, I am thinking specifically of an artwork where a man placed a crucifix in pee. The man claimed, however, that he was not assaulting Christianity, but he was trying to demonstrate how Christians, through their unchristian behavior, solely the person of Christ. But regardless, science and religion impact art. And as science and religion evolve, so does art change. As all 
three fields of inquiry are in perpetual interaction. Even art inspires science and religion. I am thinking right now um, specifically about myself. I was influenced by rappers like Cannabis who made incredible rap music that was very philosophical and contained scientific ideas or yeah, it contains scientific ideas. By immersing myself in that rap music, this helped me learn a lot of things I would not have learned otherwise, and that helped me to discover the quadrant model which I would say was certainly a scientific breakthrough. Great discoveries in science have been inspired by works of art. The ideas that art provokes are affect religion. Any thoughts? Any thoughts, Grandma? Oh, no. Do you like it so far? So far, so good. Science, religion, and art influence and inspire the fourth quadrant field of inquiry. Philosophy. There is philosophy of science, philosophy of religion, and philosophy of art. So philosophy tra transcends yet contains elements of the first three fields of inquiry. But philosophy also deals with aspects of reality that transcend the first three disciplines. The fourth quadrant is always transcendent, yet it includes components of the first three quadrants. Or I'll say it was a complete. I'll say I'll say it even is debatable whether cubism came first or the scientific notion of the fourth dimension did some say that cubism was inspired by notions of the fourth dimension spoken of by scientists but some also say that notions of the fourth dimension were inspired by painters. Science, religion, and art influence and inspire the fourth quadrant field of inquiry, philosophy. There is philosophy of science, philosophy of religion, and philosophy of art. So philosophy transcends yet contains elements of the first three fields of inquiry. But philosophy also deals with aspects of reality that transcend the first three disciplines. The fourth quadrant is always transcendent, yet it includes components of the first three quadrants. 
philosophers are not constrained by the by their sense faculties like scientists. Say that again. Philosophers are not supposed to, or, or not required to be constrained by their sense faculties like scientists. Scientists are restricted to observation of empirical data, but philosophers play more with abstract conceptions that are not necessarily tied to the empirical plane of existence. Philosophers delve into religious topics and they study art and even sometimes are artists themselves, but philosophy also is much more mental than these two domains of inquiry and is based more around abstract conceptualizations and inquiry and mental inquiry. The Pythagoreans who were renowned ancient Greek, Greek philosophers said that the Tetrarchus was supreme. The Tetrarchus is four rows. Well, actually, I'm going to say, I'm going to say another thing. All right, no, I'll just leave it. I'll leave it there. The Pythagoreans, who were renowned ancient Greek philosophers, said that the Tetrarchus was supreme. The Tetrarchus is four rows of dots forming a triangle, making ten dots in all. According to Proclus, when Socrates says to his Oh, actually, okay, conceptualization of mental inquiry. I'll say philosophers deal with areas such as logic and mathematics and their findings and inquiry build on the work of scientists religious people and artists, but also and also they contribute to the other fields of inquiry. The Pythagoreans who were renowned ancient Greek philosophers said that the Tetrarchus was supreme. The Tetrarchus um is four rows of dots forming a triangle, making ten dots in all. According to Proclus, when Socrates says to his friends, one, two, three, but where is the fourth? Plato was cryptically alluding to the Tetrarchus. Socrates had three friends with him, but the fourth was missing. Proclus said the first three rows of the Tetrarchus are similar, but the fourth is different. Are you listening, Grandma? Okay. 
But all in all, everything is interrelationships of the quadrant in an omnidimensional fractal network, bringing coherence to the variance of existence and oneness to the seeming multitude of phenomena of reality in a systematic unity and simplicity. Einstein said he wanted to know the mind of God. He said he believed in Spinoza's God. Spinoza said God is reality. Einstein said he believed in a harmonious ordered reality, which he called God. If anything can be called Spinoza's God, it would be the quadrant model. Reality is the quadrant model. The, this book is going to explain the quadrant model of reality. I am deeply moved and enchanted by the quadrant model because it is so playful and even humorous and beautiful in how it acts. And it presents reality so magnificently, bringing everything together as one in a sort of dos ex machina, glorious effusion and exaltation. I am thinking of refutations to the quadrant model right now as I write this. For instance, somebody may... Okay, right now. For instance, somebody may mischaracterize the quadrant model and say something like, what about all the threes and sevens? Seven is a holy number in the Bible, and what about ten? Like the Ten Commandments. First off, I want to say I have studied holy texts of most cultures. Yes, other numbers exist, even in the Bible. But you would be surprised how dominant the four and the quadrant pattern is in that it completely overshadows everything else in a super normal way. Yes, there are sevens and tens and eights and other numbers. It all ties back to the quadrant, however, and the dominance of the fourfold. For instance, Helen Blavatsky. For instance, uh, hold on, hold on a second. I, I think Helen Blavatsky, or it's, it's it's actually Helena Blavatsky, not Helen. Is it a man or a woman? It's a woman. So, for instance, Helena Blavatsky, a famous Theosophist mystic, illustrated that in sacred texts throughout the world, sevens are mostly represented as four plus threes. An example is in the book of Revelations. In the book of Revelations in the Bible, there are four first trumpets blown. Then there is a pause. And then the next three trumpets are, are different. Or, or the next three trumpets are blown and they are different. So there are seven trumpet blasts, but they are in a four plus three pattern. Um... Highlighting the four because I I read it and, I, and I'm gonna get to something else about this too that I will show too. I'm gonna talk about this. There's a whole there's a guy named Yakovich who wrote a whole book about this topic, about the four three pattern in the Bible. And he talks about this in soup in a ton of other examples because it's throughout the whole Bible. Blavatsky even noted that this four plus three pattern was a or even even explained in her opinion that this four plus three pattern was a quote desire to reconcile the trinity with the quaternity she recognized the supremacy of the quaternity and the fourfold i'll say however she recognized the supremacy okay throughout the bible there are sevens but they are in four plus three patterns but they are strikingly mostly 
and 4 plus 3 patterns, expounding the quadrant. The first, or I'll say, but it is striking, it is striking that they are The first four days of creation are connected with the first four elements, according to Jewish sages. The next three days are different. And even the fact that seven was chosen as a number of days for a week is not, a, is not accidental. Seven-day weeks divide the month into four equal parts. Not all cultures have seven-day weeks, though. But still, in their systems, the quadrant four is expressed as supreme. For instance, many African peoples have four-day weeks, dividing the month into seven parts, four days each. So still, the, the quadrant and the fourfold is highlighted. Yes, there are threes in reality. For instance, in the DSM Diagnostics and Statistical Manual, Used by psychiatrists, there are three cluster A personality disorders and three cluster C personality disorders. But the mo most important cluster and most studied cluster, cluster B, has four personality disorders. So other numbers present themselves, but in a sort of magical way, because reality is magical and mystically infused or and mystically um, one second mystically I'm thinking I'm trying to think of the word um, mystically It's like disposed, built, mystically built, mystically uh, geared. What, what, what word should I use, Grandma? Uh, say it again for me. Um, mystically... Uh, I'll say mystically attuned because because reality is magical and mystically attuned the quadrant in existence tends to invariantly express itself as preeminent it's magical and myst okay so other numbers present themselves but in a sort of magical way because reality is magical and mystically attuned or mystically and magically attuned. The quadrant in existence tends to be to invariantly express itself as preeminent. You will find other numbers present themselves in reality, but the quadrant fourfold pattern always reveals itself as dominant. For instance, I have a I had a friend read to me from a Hindu Vaishnava book. There will be passages where many numbers are presented, but 
they would always tie back somehow to the quadrant fourfold and somehow the fourfold in some sort of supernatural conspiratorial cosmic way always showed itself as supreme. So many things that we are taught, I'll, I'll say, so also, so many things that we are taught are threes, are three, are actually fours as well. For instance, just one example is, we are taught that there are three obstacles in the ear in biology class in school, but there is actually a transcendent fourth obstacle. I would have never known that were it not for I knew the quadrant model. And I asked myself, is there a fourth obstacle beside the three? And I looked it up and there it was. There is actually a transcendent fourth. Most people think that Jews pray three times a day, but on certain days like holidays, they do four. Even there is, there is a dynamic between four and five where four still establishes its supremacy. For instance, Muslims pray five times a day, but in their prayers they have four movements and they pray up to four rakats. An example of a five really being a four is that many people think we have five fingers, but we have four fingers and a thumb. Also, nowhere in the Quran does it say that Muslims should pray five times a day. And there is even evidence the original Muslims prayed three or four times a day, like Jews. But on the topic of three, four, and five, there is a sort of dynamic oscillation between these numbers. But regardless, the fourth tends to be transcendent and five tends to be questionable and ultra-transcendent. The third quadrant tends to be physical and action-oriented and bad. Another example of the three-four dynamic interplay that is essential in the quadrant model is that in African... is that... In an African tribe that I studied, men did things in threes and women did things in fours. Therefore, all of the tribe's activities were permeated with the three, four interactions. There is a book by Yakovich wherein he discusses the, quote, three, four pattern that he notices pervades the, pervades the whole Bible. And he also recognizes the four plus three pattern of sevens in the Bible. And in existence, threes tend to supernaturally almost want to expand to fours. And interestingly, fours sometimes to threes in a sort of oscillating dynamic or oscillating interchange. The three-four dynamic vacillation is fundamental and essential in existence. For instance, originally scientists thought there were three types of glial cells in the brain. Later, the transcendent fourth was found. Or originally, Galileo thought there were three moons of Jupiter. The first day he examined the moon, with his telescope, he discovered three moons, but later he discovered the fourth. Darwin originally divided life into three groups. Later he added a fourth. Even Darwin, a supposed atheist, was working under the auspices of the quadrant's supreme power. This isn't just some coincidence. Existence or reality is dynamic and expressive and in some sort of metaphysical, mystical way is playing with the quadrant notion in pre its presentation of itself to itself. And to address the criticism, what about tens? Ten is a powerful number. There are ten sephirot and ten commandments. 
Somebody with an uninformed mind, lacking the knowledge and wherewithal and information that I have attained over my over over my more than 10 years of studying this theory might think this is a valid criticism. As I said, or say, but as I said, Pythagoras proclaimed that the number 10 is powerful only in as much as it is related to the tetricus, the triangular number of four rows of dots, making 10 dots in all. So there is the number 10, but its significance emerges only through its relationship to the four and the expression of the quadrant form of being. Kabbalists relate the sephirot of the tree of life to the tetrakis, or relate the ten sephirot of the tree of life to the tetrakis. And even within the tree of life in the Kabbalah, there is a quadrant formation. Also, the first four sephirot of the ten sephirot are connected to the four elements, according to Kabbalists or according to Jewish sages, presenting a sort of four plus six pattern in the tree of life itself, and again, pronouncing the quadrant as supreme. But yes, other numbers exist, but in a supernormal manner, reality presents the quadrant model pattern as dominant in its expression and central and, and central. And everything constantly and perpetually ties back to demonstrate its preeminence and supreme importance. The layers of the stomach reveal the quadrant in its ordered framework. The first layer is the least physical. The first quadrant is always the least physical. The second layer is more related to structure and homeostasis, presenting the characteristics of the second square of the quadrant. The third layer is the most physical and related to muscular tissue. The third quadrant is always the most physical. The fourth layer is transcendent. There are parts of the body that have more than four layers, but for instance, the cortex of the brain has six layers, but still, the quadrant shows itself supreme. The cortex is itself divided into four parts, or four lobes, or, sh or should I say, four lobes. So other numbers show themselves, but the quadrant always expresses its supremacy in relationships if you look at the whole context and if you look at the whole context and the broader spectrum, okay, the cortex is it? What, this one that I'm reading right now, the whole paragraph. Well, no, but uh, the last. I don't know. The last sentence, or the. Yeah, last few sentences. Yeah. Okay, so so layers of the stomach reveal the quadrant. Okay, the second layer is okay. The the, the fourth layer is transcendent. There are parts of the Okay, the fourth layer is transcendent. I will discuss this more in the chapter on biology. There are parts of the body that have more than four layers. For instance, the cortex of the brain has six layers, but still the quadrant shows itself supreme. The cortex is itself divided into four lobes. Into four lobes. Reality is creative and playful so it does present other numbers but it will do so only when in the broader
broader context the quadrant yeah the quadrant will be shown and demonstrated So other numbers show themselves, but the quadrant always expresses the supremacy in relationships if you look at the whole context in the broader spectrum. And even the six layers of the cortex of the brain present a 4 plus 2 pattern and maintain the same quadrant pattern orientation of orientation. For instance, the first quadrant has first quadrant or the first layer has first quadrant qualities the second layer second quadrant properties and so on I propose that it is not coincidental or accidental, but a sort of meta-supernatural mystical quadrant centralized display. As a quadrant is the dominant scaffold and blueprint in existence in a, in a sort of meta-capacity. Or I'll say in a sort of transcendent capacity. Right now I am thinking about how paleontologists divided dinosaurs into two groups. One group, or I'll say right now I am thinking about how paleontologists originally divided dinosaurs into two groups. One group was based around a three-pronged pelvis and the other a four-pronged pelvis. Or one, one group was based around the criteria of having a three-pronged pelvis and the other a four-pronged pelvis. To many, that would just seem insignificant and like useless information. But I know the transcendent dynamic quadrant reality is revealing another playful glimpse of its beauty. Or else tra the transcendental its beauty and playful activity. The good, the bad, and the ugly are all beautiful to me because I know they all exist only in relational capacity and in the end they will reflect the quadrant truth. For instance, when I think of the conflicts between the four races of humans, I look at it mainly merely as a dynamic interplay of the four elements, air, water, earth, and fire. And I recognize what element corresponds to what race and their motions and movements and conflicts and positions all make sense within the quadrant dynamical framework. Nothing is ugly to me, even the so-called hideous and horrible. My vision has been corrected and magnified as I see the truth in everything. And I am in a sort of mystical ecstasy as I have acknowledged the quadrant truth, the only truth. And even in regards to the Ten Commandments, I heard that famous renowned rabbis and sages divided them into four groups. And in the ways that the Ten Commandments were 
manipulated and articulated, the quadrant model constantly expresses itself as preeminent. And on the topic of the number eight, Blavatsky referred to the eight as two fours, two quaternities. Carl Jung and his protégés also recognized eights as dual quaternities throughout mythology that they studied. Or recognize the number eight. Throughout the mythology that they studied. If you look at sacred texts and even reality itself, eights are frequently expressed as divided fours. Even Muslims look at the Alaska mosque as connected to the fourfold. Because it has an eightfold ground structure of a square on top of a square, making an eight-pointed sort of star formation. But even they recognize this eight to be two fours. Mystical Muslims or I can think of numerous Muslim mystics who expounded on the extreme significance of the number four. Marie Gelman revealed symmetry. Marie Gelman, the physicist who discovered or who, who created the standard model of particle physics, revealed a symmetry in particle physics, which he called the Eightfold Way. Named after the the four named after the fourth of the four noble truths of Buddhism, which is called which is the eightfold path. But even this eightfold way of particles shows itself to be the Pythagorean holy tetricus. If you look throughout art history, you will find the Pythagorean. Uh, holy tetricus. If, or, or if you look throughout our history, you will find the Pythagorean tetricus show itself frequently or present present itself frequently. Or, or be, or I'll just say is presented frequently. Even other interesting numbers present themselves, like the number 72 in the Mona Lisa. But 72 is the gematria of the Tetragrammaton Tetricus, something exalted or a holy formation exalted by Kabbalists. Tetra is four. The number 72 
that number 72 and Tetrakis, that number 72 and the Tetrakis, you will find in video games like Assassin's Creed. The 72 is also related to the quadrant. Or I'll say, I'll say the 72. To the uninitiated may seem to have nothing to do with the quadrant model. But again, this is just because he lacks knowledge. Um, on a further note, even in the Mona Lisa, there are four circles, four hidden circles in a sort of flower of life formation, making a quadrant. I could amaze you all by going through music and literature and movies and Or music and literature and movies, or, or, or through music and literature created throughout history, and movies as well, and show how the quadrant pattern is supreme in a magnificent way. It almost seems like it has to be a conspiracy, but yes, I do see it as a conspiracy. But I also know that the Supreme God is in control and the quadrant is reality itself. So this is not a superficial, narrow-minded conspiracy theory that provokes fear. I embrace the quadrant conspiracy as a mystical yeah. Oh. You know what, Ryan? Yeah. Okay. Wait, 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 grandma, grandma, grandma. One second. I just, I just want to say this one thing. Let, let me finish this yeah. one sentence. I embrace the quad the quadrant conspiracy as a mystical cosmic conspiracy saturated with beauty and magnificence. What do you think so far, Grandma? Okay, I've got to head on pretty good. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Alright, thanks, Grandma. Love you. Welcome. Good night, Daddy. Night.